The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. Well, the Downton Abbey movie opens up in theaters this weekend, and it's got me thinking. Lady Mary, she had a little bit of an uppity attitude. And poor Edith. But a bigger thought, why do people like that show so much? They cared about the lives of these aristocrats, and also their servants. They cared about everyone involved in the show makes me think about the value each person has, whether they're rich or poor. Do we value people the way God values them? On today's show, your value in the kingdom of God. back to the show. I am Dr. Doug Bursch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. So glad you could join us. So as I mentioned in the intro, Downton Abbey, the movie, is coming out this weekend. And uh, all you Downton Abbey aficionados are pretty excited, aren't you? Uh, you're getting out your uh, tuxedos and fine dresses, and I don't know, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, some of you are just going to wait for it to come out on video. But uh, that was a huge phenomena. And so today's show, I'm going to talk about a couple things. One, uh, you say, Doug, what's this have to do? This is Christian radio, Christian podcast. I don't want to talk about the aristocratic life that occurred between 1912 and 1926. I'll get there. We'll get to something spiritual. But, but you know, this show is called Fairly Spiritual. So we're going to vacillate. A little bit, but we're going to first talk a little bit about the cultural phenomenon, which was and is Downton Abbey. If you if you're not familiar with that phenomenon, you probably uh, were in a coma during that time. Uh, maybe you were overseas in some place that did not have a television or access to the internet, or you're just incredibly clueless. And good for you, good for you and your ability to be unaware of what's happening around you. Uh, by the way, uh, as I just called some of you clueless, here's the number uh, you can text if you want to text the show, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. But Downton Abbey, uh, which I called wrong you know, the first season as Downtown Abbey, that's a totally different uh, show, but Downton Abbey uh, was actually broadcasted on PBS and some channel on the BBC, I don't know how those things work, Uh, Between 2010 and 2015, there were six episodes. It followed the aristocratic life of the Crawley family, you know, Lord Grantham, and their domestic servants. Yeah, that certainly sounds like a worldwide hit, right? Just, I'm sure when they were pitching that, they're saying, yeah, that's definitely going to work. But it did. Uh, it, It dealt with the years between 1912 and 1926. But who are we kidding? Uh, yeah, it supposedly took place during those years, but it was fiction, and uh, not everything that happened during that show would have happened during 1912, uh, or between 1912 and 1926. Nonetheless, uh, Downton Abbey was full of high drama. You know, some of the episodes had some powerful things like how to properly set tables during high tea, you know, the pro- proper length of a dress or skirt or 
how short one should uh, cut their hair. There was also other plot lines like freeing oneself from false murder accusations. Uh, there was the continual plot line of Lady Mary uh, being perpetually uppity. And then there was, of course, poor Edith. Poor, poor Edith. And uh, also, the one I particularly liked was how to work your way up through the social ladder by being a chauffeur. That uh, I'm sure there was a lot of chauffeurs who watched the show just based on that alone. I, I saw something on Wikipedia, so it has to be true, but between 2010 and 2012, at the height of the Downton Abbey craze, uh, the demand for butlers, because you had Carson the butler in this show, uh, in between 2010 and 2012, the demand for butlers doubled. At least that's what Wikipedia said, and Wikipedia wouldn't lie to us, right? That's clearly the source for all our information. Uh, doubled. The demand for butlers doubled around the world, particularly in places such as China, Russia, and the Middle East. Basically places that we can't check whether Wikipedia has been lying to us or not. One of the things personally that I liked uh, about Downton Abbey uh, is it one of my first memories of my children being traumatized by a children's, excuse me, by a television show uh, is surrounded by Downton Abbey. My, my daughters, my two oldest daughters who are now in college, but at that time they were young or younger, and uh, this is early on. Now, if you haven't watched the series, this is going to be a spoiler uh, in the first couple seasons. So if you're like, I'm going to watch all six seasons before the movie, then you're going to have to maybe not listen or fast forward if you're listening on podcast, but I'm going to share a spoiler. But if you listened or if you watched this show, there were a lot of traumatic deaths in this show. And I think a lot of them revolved around contract disputes of the actors. The actor got in a dispute and so they killed them off. But the, one of the first, I think it was the first one, might have been the second, I don't know, but one of the biggest traumatic experiences in the show was when they killed off uh, one of the sisters, Sybil. And that was just a shock to me, shock to our family. And I remember it was one of those first times, uh, we might all have that memory, when you're watching a movie or a TV show, and some character you loved or, or a movie you enjoyed something tragic happens that goes against everything you thought movies were about. You know, it's not the happy ending. It's not, you, you know, you're, you're used to, in the movie Dumbo, right? You know, the mom gets put in that place where they put the crazy elephants, but eventually she gets released, right? So something good's going to happen. But suddenly you watch a movie and something terrible happens and it's not reversed. Well, I remember looking at my daughters who are just bawling, uh, by the way. One of the reasons I noticed they were crying, because I was uh, tearing up myself as we watched one of our favorite characters uh, die in uh, Downton Abbey when, when, when Sybil died. And in honor of her, uh, we named one of our cats Sybil. And Sybil lives on, even though she, <laughs> she is one of the most cranky, least Sybil-like um, cats there could be. So uh, anyway, huge... Phenomena. My biggest uh, issue right now I'm trying to figure out is it opens up this weekend. If you're listening to the show uh, Friday, the, uh, this show airs on Friday. On KCIS, there's a re-airing on Sundays. There's also a podcast. But it opens today on Friday. And I'm trying to decide whether or not to see the 3D or IMAX version. I just would love to see Bates Kane, you know, just in 3D, just kind of pointing at me. I, maybe they don't have 3D, but an IMAX would be awesome. Seeing those servant bells, you know, just kind of giant bells ringing there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
So why why was that show so popular? Well, probably a lot of reasons. It's well done. It was beautiful just to look at. And sometimes something just becomes a cultural phenomenon. And also, you didn't have to pay extra to watch it. It's not like these HBO shows that become popular. And, and uh, you know, I don't pay for anything uh, extra like that. But it's not one of those. You know, everybody could see it if they wanted to see it. It became this giant cultural phenomenon. But one of the things I think why people liked it so much is... Downton Abbey was about uh, this aristocratic family, but it was also about these different layers or levels in society. And sometimes they'd get hit at this. One of the critiques of the show was this, that they made too, you know, they made it too glamorous. Like those who had all the wealth, they kind of made nice people. And they made the servants nice people as well. They didn't make like one villainous class and one virtuous class. Now, the reality is people with lots of wealth and prosperity uh, during that time, uh, also created some really terrible conditions for the poor. So you could give that critique that maybe they didn't give the best presentation for how culture existed at that time. But I think why people relate to the television show is that you can relate to the people at whatever cultural level they're at. At whatever level they are in society, there's likable people. Each person has value. Each person has a role. Each person has a place. Whether they're in the servants' quarters, whether they're farmers, whether they're the chauffeur, whether they're, uh, you know, Lord Grantham, whatever position they have in that culture, each person has a place, has a role, has value. And there's something in that that, that we're drawn to that uh, even when we can be upset in our own lives where we can judge certain classes of people and certain kinds of people, there's something in that that we like. We like to find someone we'd like within each class of people in that fictional story called Downton Abbey. And uh, so I'm going to transition this to the spiritual side because in, in Downton Abbey, like the reality is if you were to watch that, you'd say, well, everybody has a role, everybody has a place, everybody, you know, who belongs in that story? And you say, well, everyone belongs. Everyone has a role, even in the running of the house, in the running of what happens in that culture. Like, everyone is needed. No one doesn't belong. I guess there's a couple of villains there. But for the most part, there's a belief that everyone has a role. I've noticed when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our faith, that sometimes we get this erroneous view of faith, and we have this idea that there's the super spiritual people, and then there's the rest of us. It's this Christian caste system, and I've talked about it before, but this idea that there's, you know, the really important spiritual people who know what they're doing, who've arrived, who can just live better spiritual lives, and then there's the rest of us. And sometimes we have this view that we're not in that place, that that place where our life has as much value as others. And when I say value is we have this belief that no one needs to hear from me. The idea of if there's a problem in the church, we're like, ah, you know, somebody else needs to help this person. We care about the person. We care about the problem. We see the need. But we think we're not the person to meet that need. Or let me say it even clearer. We know that someone needs Christ. We can see that someone's hurting, but we don't believe that we are called to be Christ to them. And it's not because we're indifferent to their need. It's just that we don't think we're spiritual enough. 
one of the reasons I call this show Fairly Spiritual, my website is fairlyspiritual.org, is I like to play around with that idea. People will say stuff like, well, I'm fairly spiritual, and it's kind of something you joke about too, like, well, that was fairly spiritual. But we have this idea about spirituality sometimes, where there's the super spiritual people and the fairly spiritual people. But the Bible doesn't talk about spirituality that way. The Bible talks about you're either in Christ or not in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you have a role to play, a very important role. In fact, when you're in Christ, you have just as much as the Spirit as anyone else. There's not super spiritual people and less spiritual people. We all have the same amount of the Spirit to draw upon. And we all are incredibly needed. And you see this in the scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And, and you could read the whole chapter for 1 Corinthians 12, but let me just read this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, and he's talking about the physical body, our body. Uh, so, so let me read this again. And all the members of the body, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So the spirit brought us all into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are, are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And it goes on. But I just wanted to get this role to each of you, or this, this idea to each of you. There's no super spiritual people listening right now. Each of us who've called upon the name of Christ have been brought into the body of Christ by the same Spirit. And we have the same measure of the Spirit to participate in the body of Christ. Every single one of us is needed. And every single one of us have a role to play. So the question I have for you is why aren't you playing your role? Why aren't you being Christ to others, or why aren't you allowing others to be Christ to you? Let me put it this way. I'm going to give you a job assignment. Here's, here's your job assignment. There's a job opening. Here's the job opening. Here's your job. Your job is to be Christ to others. That's literally the job. You're signing up for this job. Your job is to be Christ to others. 
Right now, I want you to think about this. What makes you qualified for that job? Just think for a second. What makes you qualified to be Christ to others? To be an expression of Christ to others? To be an expression of the body of Christ to others? Now, you could put down all sorts of things there, right? You could say, I'm a good listener, or I'm patient with people, I'm accepting, whatever it is, it might be different. I'm, I'm talking about very specific things for you. What makes you qualified for the job to be Christ to others? I'd encourage you to write some things down, to think about this, to think about the things in you uniquely that make you qualified to be an expression of Christ to others, because right now around you, there are people who need Christ. They need the expression of Christ, and they need it through you. They need Christ to be revealed through you. So in this job application, you've written down the things that make you good at it. What are the things that make you bad for this job? Why would you be bad for this job? What are your weaknesses? Why would you be bad at taking on the job of being Christ for someone else? Why do you avoid that job? And this is something I think we need to confront, because I don't think it's just arrogance. I don't think it's because we don't care about people. We're not like, oh, I see that person suffering, but you know, what are you going to do? That's not my responsibility. Why do you resist? Or why do you not become Christ for other people? When someone has need, why do you not meet that need? When you see someone hurting, when you walk into the church and you see someone alone in the corner, why do you not go over to them and become Christ for them or an expression of Christ for them? Why do you see yourself as, well, I, you know, I'm not the spiritual one. I'm, you know, my wife is more that person or my, my husband is more that person or, you know, someone else in the church is more that or, you know, I'm just this person here. You know, I got to get my life in order. I really can't do that. What is it that keeps you from being Christ for other people? There's a lot of things we could write down, right? Sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm going to fail people. If I do that, I'm not going to be enough, right? And often it's this fear that we have to be everything, but we just read in the scripture that we're not the full body of Christ. We're just one member. We're just a hand or a foot or a mouth or an ear. It's not our job to be everything. It's just our job to do our part. I want to free you that you can do your part. It's okay if you see someone hurting to say, I'm here to listen. I don't know what to say. I really don't. I don't know what to say. I'm not good at that but I can listen. And they can even say to you, well, I need you to tell me something. And you know, you're a Christian. I need, I need some help from you. And you can say, you know, I'm a part of the body of Christ. And this is, this is what I do well. I listen. As far as giving advice, I, I'm not very good at that. So, you know, you're going to have to open your life up to other people. But this is what I can do. I can be a safe person for you to listen or to listen to you. For others, it might just be acceptance. You can be, you know what? You can tell me anything, and I'm going to accept you. I'm just not very judgy. I, I can hear really terrible things and still accept someone. It doesn't mean, you know, I get it. You need to repent. You need to get your life on track, but I'm still going to love you and care for you. I just have the ability to hear things, and it doesn't change my perspective about people. I just still love them. Because some people don't have that gift. I mean, they can, they can know they're supposed to love someone and accept them, but it's hard. It's hard for them to hear things. Why are you resisting being Christ to someone? Do you think you're going to fail them? 
You think you're not enough? Well, of course you're not enough. You're not the full body of Christ. You're just, you're just one expression. You're just the hand. You're just the feet. You're just the mouth. You're just the ears. The nose? I don't know. But you're enough. You play a role. I don't know who you are. In our Downton Abbey illustration, I don't know if you're Lord Grantham or you're in the servants' quarters. I don't know if you're baking bread or you're having high tea. I don't know what you're doing. But whatever you're doing, you could fulfill your unique role to be an expression of Christ in the world. So think of that first. Why are you resisting being Christ to others? And here's the second part of it. Here's another job. Here's another, you go, I don't like that job. Well, here's another job. Here's your job. Your job is to let other people be Christ to you. So your first job was to be Christ to other people. Here's your second job. I want you to sign up for the job to let others be Christ to you. What makes you good at that? Write down, think of some things that make you good at letting others be Christ to you, receiving Christ from other people. And, and you could think about that as well. Maybe you're good at you know, receiving help from people. Maybe you're good at humbling yourself. Maybe as I ask you about this, you're saying, I'm not good at this at all. I don't like for other people to help me. So let's look at this. What makes you bad at receiving help from people? What keeps you from letting others be Christ to you? In this beautiful image of being the body of Christ, where some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, what keeps you Like when you're injured, let's say if you're the foot and you're injured, what keeps you from letting others help you limp along? What keeps you from letting the rest of the body help you when you're injured? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it you don't want to be more hurt? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to open yourself up to people and let them speak into your life. It's it's hard to share your weaknesses. You can share your weaknesses and people can hurt you. You can share your weaknesses and and it can get worse. So sometimes we isolate. Sometimes we protect ourselves. Sometimes it just feels better to just, okay, I'm not doing well, but at least I, I can control this situation. But if I bring somebody else in to help me, I don't know if I can control this. You know, the scripture says from the beginning, it was not good for man to be alone. When Adam was created, before sin entered the world, God said, it's not good for humans to be alone. We were created for community. We understand love. We understand God. We understand our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit triune relationship through community. We experience sin and hurt through community. But we also experience help and healing, and love through community. To be a part of the body of Christ is to be Christ to others, but it's also to allow others to be Christ to you. It's why we need community. It's why we can't go it alone. Because there's people out there who need you. They need you. They need Christ in you. They need the unique giftings that you have to be expressed through you to them. But I'm going to tell you this. There are people where you need Christ in them. You need the unique giftings they have. You don't have them, and you need them. You need some of my words, and I need some of your words. You need some of Christ in me, 
and I need some of Christ in you. And as we submit ourselves one to another, as we yield one to another, the fullness of Christ rises up in our community of mutual submission. What is God calling you to do? Is God calling you to reach out and to be Christ to others and trust that even if you're not enough, you don't have to be enough. You can just be what God has called you to be. Well, then maybe take those steps of faith and start reaching out, start helping, start being Christ to others. But maybe Christ is also telling you, maybe be weak, maybe be vulnerable, and ask others for help as well. Share your needs. Let others be Christ to you. These are ways that we can truly be a full expression of the body of Christ, because each of us need one another. Hey, thanks for listening. I so much appreciate you listening to this show. Can you please text me if you're getting anything out of this? 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. To keep the show on the air, we need people to donate. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org to donate. Subscribe to the podcast, The Fairly Spiritual Show, through iTunes or SoundCloud. That's The Fairly Spiritual Show. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. I will see you next time. Your life matters. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.